The opinions expressed in the following are those of its participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the producers and the Six Talk Podcast Network. Also, the following contains mature material and mild language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Discretion is advised. This is the Anime Roundtable Canada, presented by Anime North. You can contact us via email, animeroundtable at gmail.com, on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Anime Roundtable, and on the web, animeroundtable.com. Well, here we go on this Sunday evening, January 8th, 2023. Akimashite omedeto gozaimasu. As you guys know, I have a habit of saying when we start off the new year. We're in the stream yard to start off 2023. Mike Nicholas sitting at his perch in six points. Kevin Ng, Mohammed Shamarki, James Austin. Well, James and Mo are back <laughs> in from their respective perches. Amy isn't feeling too well. She's under the weather this evening. So hopefully Amy's listening to this. Get well soon. You said a lot in a good way three weeks ago when we last gathered. Get your rest. And... Let's start by looking at last episode, I guess. Mo, James, do you have a thought as we start this year? I think Mo can guide me, okay? So, Mo. I mean, yo, it's Pokemon, man. It's, like, iconic, you know? Like, an institution. Like, when when Amy was talking about it, I'm like, because we're, like, relatively the same age, so it's like... Well, Mo, Mo... Now, I'm pretty sure, Mo, Pokemon is just a fad. It died out, didn't it? Mo's, uh, and for reference, I think Mo has been um, accidentally, accidentally muted himself. Here, let me unmute that. Uh, uh, yep, sorry about that. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Uh, what was I saying? Yep, yeah, I mean, like, it was, uh, you know, it's like, it's like seeing something end. It's like when Yu-Gi-Oh ended, right? Then not as big. The real question is, how will it end for Ash? Is Ash going to get his comeuppance for trapping these poor uh, Pokemon? and making them fight his fights and stuff like that, all in the name of friendship. See, I believe, I believe his goal was to be the best, right? Like no one's <laughs> ever seen before. But he should have done it himself, right? And this is supposed to be for children, right? It's concerning. Uh, who knows? Like, <laughs> it, it, it yeah. isn't, like you do have, we, we speculated on at the time, uh, we, the belief that, the new characters are somehow related to Ash. Um, I don't know about that, though, because I feel like... So I think there were Sun and Moon, right? So I think they're going, based on games, so they're going to um, Sword and Shield, I believe. 
which would be the English type one, not the Spanish one they're doing now. So I guess they're trying to tie more to the games and the fact that they'll have, I guess, a female and a male trainer and stuff like that. And that's how uh, they're going to go about it. But maybe, I guess, they'll bring uh, certain characters, as we know, back for well, the fans and stuff like that. But uh, it's interesting how long it's went with Ash and not just the new cast. Uh, and we talk about uh, the English voice and what she has said about uh, the role of Ash. But was there anything from, I think it was Veronica Taylor. Wasn't she the original English Ash and stuff like that? Did she yes. say yeah. anything? Veronica mm-hmm. Taylor is the first English voice actor for Ash Ketchum. And then it was Sarah Natacheni that took over from season nine onwards when uh, when four kids lost the rights to Pokemon. Because it was when, Pokemon International, right? They yeah. took it back over, I remember, and they recast everything. Yes, they decided to recast everybody, to my recollection, except for Iko Yatani, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I always felt like, well, leading, alluding to what you said just now, uh, they will be going into Gen 9 this spring. The anime will be based off of the Scarlet and Violet games this coming April in Japan, if I recall correctly. And you could say it was Gen 8 for this last season or two, but as Amy was telling us last episode, they weren't really in the gallery region for a good chunk of the show. And from what I remember, they went to different areas. So, and to me, it was never, not that it was never about Ash being the best. It's just that the whole, that whole mantra was just such a thing in the beginning because of how the marketing was pushed. And to me, it was no longer really about Ash being the best that no one ever was. It was. Was just Ash going on an adventure with his friends that he meets along the way. Some people come, some people go, some people come back at various points. And it was just, you know, your daily serial of this is a boy and his Pikachu going through different lands, seeing new things, catching new Pokemon, getting caught up in different circumstances, still trying to elude team rocket what are they say, doing uh, eating jelly donuts and lifting and holding pokemon he should humanly not be able to when you actually yeah. look at their stats yes and catching and catching pokemon that we never see in north america like how he caught all the tauros because that was one of the band episodes and so on and so forth <laughs> wow I'm trying to think of how to word it, but I guess you can say you could see the end coming light at the end of the tunnel because he finally got, how do I want to put it? He got, um, are we talking the championship? He was, yeah, something like that. Like he got, he finally got one as they say, right? Because he was always coming up short, so to speak. So that was the feeling. I believe he did win the league in, 
the Sun and Moon series of seasons. I believe Amy, I'm pretty sure, sh- if I remember correctly, Amy mentioned that as well last episode. Uh, I think I, I dived down it well, long but... ago, so it's like that's how long, so you never know, right? Yeah, because I wasn't really paying attention to the anime for the most part after season 14 or 15. I think I stopped at season 14 is what I remember saying. Okay. Well, you, you mentioned it. It's less about it became more a journey and less about the quest, uh, quest to become the best. That's how it felt to me. Well, remember the, that line in the trailer? Shigeru's line? Now that you become a champion? What was the line in that trailer? What's next or what yeah, now? Yeah, basically what now? I think that like kind of it made me think about that when you said all that just now. Yeah, it's crazy to see how Ash was using a team of mostly fully evolved Pokemon, if I remember correctly, as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which so, is almost never the case. Yeah. Well, it's it, it has some curiosity, and who knows how Ash's story will end. Will it get more mature? Will they... Keep... Or dare I, I think say, we will know it's uh... will they kill off Pikachu? Oh, no, they won't. I hate to say that. I it's, see, I, that's the question that I still wonder about, but I think we'll find out in three months. Well, a little more than yeah, we'll find out soon anyway. I well, don't think they'll get rid of Pikachu. I think it will. I'd be shocked if they did. Pikachu is still the face of the franchise. Well, that, so, yeah, I agree with that. They have like I agree the three starters they were showing them. So I feel like they definitely, Pokemon Company wanted to like have the engine fully revved. You know what I mean? Like cross marking with the anime, the games, and everything else. You know what I mean? So I think some of that mm. plays into it too. That's why I thought that the new anime was like the new Scarlet and Violet content from what we assume is starting later than I would have expected them to. How long is this, is this storyline set to go for? Is it going to end in January or or this month? Oh, so they're now running an epilogue season of sorts. Yes. I've I've heard that. That will presumably end in mid to late March. And Pokemon airs every week, barring like weather related things or if something bad happens, who knows? Like, but generally speaking, Pokemon runs every week except for potential holidays or uh, nature events that might mm-hmm. affect the bar- broadcast. So I don't think it will really skip a miss a beat. I don't think it'll miss a beat. Okay. Well, so anything else we missed uh, from the previous episode? Well, remember we taped at the end of the World Cup, and oh, of course, right. been... how'd that go? Well, yeah, I think that's well, all. England uh, lost, where we figured they would so, lose. Therefore, like therefore, therefore, uh, James stopped paying attention. Well, no, I, I I paid attention enough to see that supposedly uh, Buenos Aires was uh, quite a lively place uh, after the World Cup and that supposedly the Argentine uh, football team, instead of having a parade, they were helicoptered around or something like that. Because they couldn't, <laughs> they get, couldn't, they couldn't get around. It was too crowded. 
I guess they decided that they were going to have the disappointment at the beginning and lose to uh, Saudi Arabia. And then after that, they just uh, went on a tear. But I think some of it was, I think we had talked about that game, the Saudi Arabia game, and it was a misnomer because they had three goals that were disallowed from VAR, from replay. And if those any of those had been allowed, they probably would have won the game, right? So it's not like they were like completely fluffing it. I mean, there was always this long analysis about the Argentinian team. What are they beyond Messi? That was, I think, some of the criticism. Well, what are they? They're a team, and they won it all. And, oh, and for reference, uh, just a quick follow-up, just starting to reel it back into the Japan side. I did, I did get that uh, Humble Bundle, so I do have e- e-book copies of the first 10 volumes of Blue Lock in my possession in some form. So I'll, I'll give myself a little bit of time to read that, and then maybe I'll have a little bit more, and, and more time to watch the anime as well. And we'll talk all about what's on our cues or on our controllers a bit later on. But soccer-related wise, and this is going, we're going to talk about this right now in the shadow of some really messy stuff going on in Brazil right now. Uh, presently, um, presently, Brazil might be going through its own January 6th moment as, uh, as um, Jair Bolsonaro supporters have stormed a lot of government institutions in Brasilia. This is uh, in the news as we uh, as we record this episode. Of course, that wasn't the big news, the biggest news probably coming out of Brazil in the last couple weeks on the topic of soccer. Hey, Lane. We have the uh, we there's this constant talk about the greatest of all time. Is it Messi? Is it Ronaldo? I, I, I guess Messi laid his claim at the end of the World Cup three weeks ago. But after Pele's death last week, there's this, I'm pretty sure people are reflecting on that discussion a little bit more. So I wanted to just put in my two cents just to say, maybe the greatest of all time isn't the ones who break the records, it's the ones who set them, basically set the bar, basically become the guy that everybody else will be compared to. And in many respects, I think that was Pele. Yeah, the new standard, obviously, of playing soccer, and he played a lot in Brazil, and that's the thing with football, that they play in a lot of different leagues across the globe and stuff like that. And he was one of the first ones to come to North America. Remember the first kick at the can for soccer in North America for a league. And he was one of the ones to come over and try to help kickstart and make it a thing. And it didn't work out as well as they thought compared to major league soccer, but he was one of the first ones. And we've seen with major league soccer, other aging stars do something similar, try to trailblaze and draw attention to their sport. Yeah. I like, I, the way I look at it is it may not have lasted, but I think its impact is still felt to this day. Pele's time in North America when he played in New York. And because then the ex, the exhibition matches with his former team from Brazil, bringing them to Toronto, to New York, to other yeah, places. That was, that and they was, played big arenas. That was how he. That was how he. You know how Santos made their money. It's just 
like there's a lot of little like Pele's later life post career and all the things he did after he had finished playing that's what's of note to me now because like I'm the eldest of the bunch here but I don't really remember Pele when he played but I do remember him as a pop culture icon right in 1994 when when the US hosted the World Cup probably one of the key matches well, not really a key match but one of the most noteworthy matches was when Brazil and the US faced each other in the round of 16 obviously Brazil won that game because obviously they won the whole thing but what was of note of that was Pele wasn't in attendance for that game and what I remembered of what he wore, he was wearing a suit to that game, but he wore an American flagged tie, which I thought was really telling. Yeah, he, I mean, he understood what this, what the game meant, and it's, that game, in many respects, was part of his legacy. The World Cup in the U.S. is part of his legacy. And it, he gave it some legs in North America in the 70s and early 80s. It tripped in the late 80s and early 90s. And then when the game started to get popular again in North America, closer and closer to mainstream, people hearkened back to Pele's attempt. And people looked kindly on Pele's attempts to try and mainstream the game. And he did a lot. I mean, yes, he played for the Cosmos. Like he... After coming out of retirement to spend what three four years with them, got them uh, a, a soccer bowl and an ASL title. He he did that, and the legacy of the NASL was, at least, you know, for Canada, it it it, produ it produced some decent enough players to have gotten them to the '86 World Cup. The problem was by 1986, the NASL was gone and. Canada didn't really have much to work with by the time they were able to get to the World Cup and wasn't able to maintain it. But once again, all these years later, we hearken back to the time Paley was there. Even in the late 80s, he even was co-starring in a movie. And I had to look this up because I remember watching this movie at the time. There was this movie called Hot Shot. And he played a, a fictionalized version of himself, a great player, but suddenly left the game and went into hiding. And so this diminutive young American who wanted to become a star soccer player after getting into a load of trouble seeks him out in Brazil. And Pele hesitantly takes him under his wing and teaches him so he can become a star. Ironically, back in New York. It was a, looking back, it was probably a horrible movie, but as I said, wanted to become that. And yeah, he became, you know, a man of all media, a politician, a singer as well, did acting. And might have been the first to do this, and somebody can correct me. The first time I saw Pele's face, the first time I could ever recall seeing Pele's image, was on all things in the world, of all things, 
a video game. I was going to say, I remember he had some NES games named after him for soccer games. I'm and going to. That's telling because I'm only going, a few people get that. You know, I I'm mean, their name I'm on a sports game. Further back, Atari 2600. I remember seeing his face on the cover of a soccer game that came out for the Atari back in the year, late 70s and early 80s. Just that smiling face. I didn't really know who he was. His career had just ended at that point. I just remember this beaming smile, not really knowing who he was. But I was curious about the game. And it was at a time when I briefly played soccer as a kid, too. Just in those uh, little organized kid leagues that my uh, dad dragged me to. Which, I, looking back, I sort of regret not uh, playing anymore. But he was, as far as I know, the first athlete to put his name on a video game. To endorse one. And once again, started another trend that we see and that has continued to this day. Many, I never played the game at the time, but my cousin, he had this, uh, he had a cartridge of an Activision game based on ice hockey, which was, we had a lot of fun playing, but then he said he traded it for this, that soccer game and he regretted it. I play and I played it not too long uh, around the time he got it. And it was a truth be told, it was actually a pretty horrible game. Maybe I'll put up a YouTube video. I found a YouTube video of somebody playing it, so you can see what it looked like at the time. But, once again, it had Paley's face on it. And that's a big part. Like, this is what I see as his legacy at the age I am at. Right? Anybody older will remember him as, as a player. But anybody you know, our our generation, basically anyone in our age group, will remember him a little bit more as the game's ambassador, not necessarily as a player, but an ambassador and maybe, in, depending on where you are, a bit of a pop culture icon too. That's Pele. Gone at the age of 82. But a uh, small shame. At least he got he lived long enough to be able to see this last World Cup. And, uh, you know, be able to get his two cents in once and for all. It, it was ir ironic. One of his last social media posts was him uh, giving tribute to his mother, who had recently turned 100 years old. Yeah, his mom's still around. But by all uh, accounts, is. uh not well. From all the descriptions I read, she may have uh, she may have some form of dementia. So she wasn't aware of her son passing away. And yeah, she had she had Pele as a teenager. But uh, everyone else remembered. Anyway, that's that's the the couple takeaways or things I want to follow up on from episode seventy five a couple of weeks ago. Let's start to look ahead, or look in the present anyway. Uh, where do you want to go? Um, where do you want to go this week? Uh, do we want to talk about what 
has our attention coming into 2023? Do we want to talk a little bit about what we've been reading or watching? I guess we could. Because honestly, I've been so busy at work. I'll be honest. I guess we could look at the new season or what we've been watching or playing or that at the end. But if we want to look at maybe uh, the future, we can look at that. I know I had a couple of things. Actually, one I know that was interesting and I started watching it, thinking of it. Uh, Kevin, did you know John Cirabella? The guy that, of course, we all know owns Media Blasters and still trucking along. Yep. A few weeks ago, he opened a YouTube channel. Huh. Well. And so his YouTube channel, I've uh, been looking at a few videos. He's posting a video a day, and some of them are seven minutes long. Some of them are three minutes long. Some of them are 10 minutes long. He sometimes is talking about some of the different things he's done with Media Blasters while he's working out in his gym in the uh, warehouse or showing his office. and. Another timbit he told uh, viewers is that he likes to Uber. So if you're in the tri-state area on the New Jersey <laughs> side, you never know. You might uh, end up having uh, your Uber driver be uh, John Cerebella. That would be... I'm not sure how you would feel about that because I don't think Five any... Five stars, dude. Five any stars. He, he, he's, just to clarify, he likes to be an Uber driver, not just riding on Uber or ride shares. And that's why I'm saying he could be driving you. It's like, oh, and I don't wow. think that any be... anime person running an anime company in North America ever did that as their side job. Period. That so is that's hilarious. Something. That might just be paramount, or that might just be the, the testament of uh, how well he's doing if he feels like he needs to use Uber to earn extra money. But he does seem like a bit of an eccentric too. Maybe he just wants to. No, no. Like you hear about like his, he talks about his wife and sounds like they're both doing fine. He said they've had highs oh. and lows. And one of them, he jokes about how someone, I guess when they were on the downturn for media blaster, they said, John, why haven't you jumped down of a building yet? And he explains why oh. he hasn't. He's like, he's too positive on life. Wow. And that he could like basically write a book about his stuff. Like, one thing I'll say, one of the videos that was funny, um, he said he'll get to different shows, like obviously Berserk, um, Invader Zim, Voltron, and stuff like that, Tension, and things like that, maybe in their own little video. But he talked about different things. And one of them I remember he was saying about one of the titles that could have taken Media Blasters down. And he that was near the beginning where he was talking about um, what was it? The company he had before Software Sculptures when he was really young and they had a deal with uh, Central Park Media with the other John, John O'Donnell. Yep. And then at some point, John O'Donnell and him, John Cerebella, they uh, kind of parted ways at the end oh, of the 90s there. And he started up uh, Media this, Blasters. Yeah. And basically uh, went... Um, his own way he had an acquisition person and they got stuff for live action for anime and he was interested in the live action which obviously um they weren't uh, as into and obviously they were doing things on the kitty side which is the adult side but the interesting thing was the um one title he said that could have taken media blasters down it was a title called gappa 
and it's a live action. It's kind of um, the uh, monster type uh, live action one, kind of like Godzilla and stuff like that. Was that the predecessor to Death Kappa that they eventually did put out? I don't think so, because it's uh, GABA, but they released it around the okay. time when, remember the first reboot of Godzilla, turn of the century, around 2000 or something like that? So that's why they released it then, because they figured a lot of companies there they could get on board with this and stuff like that and get some of those older Japanese shows similar uh, to Godzilla out and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. they were doing, I think he said, it, I'm not sure it was DVD, it might have been VHS, but they put it out there. And supposedly one of the people working for him, they uh, got some trailers of some other shows and then put it on there as well. And I forget which live action one it was, but he said it was a little racy. It was a little risque. It was not obviously the kiddie level or anything like that, right? But it was still mature, right? Mm -hmm. And supposedly this video ended up being bought, he said, by um, a grandfather in California for, I guess, their grandson or whatever. And the grandson or whatever had watched it. And they said, like, he is forever scarred or something like that. And basically took, um, I can't remember if it was Blockbuster. No, it was Tower Records. They said they bought a Tower Records. So they took Tower Records to court. And by extension, they took Media Blasters to court. And he said they spent 50000 American dollars for a lawyer and all this other stuff to get thrown out. But he said that almost Ooh. killed them. Wow. And that's not even, mm-hmm. and that was just, they didn't even know he said, like they just said it was GAPA. It was this live action. And they didn't even know what it was. And it wasn't until they went through the process, they found out it was not even the show itself. It was from the trailers and one specific trailer from one of the live action trailers. And I guess it was because it was a little too violent for their liking. <sighs> See, well, this is a story as old as VHS or as old as the existence of the television where you need to police what your children are watching. That's your responsibility as a parent or a guardian. Like, Hell, I let my niece watch me play Shin Megami Tensei Five, which is a rated M game, but I make sure she's not there when Sahori gets stabbed by Lamu and when Tao gets stabbed by Lamu. Yes, spoiler alert. I'm sorry I didn't say that earlier. But I, I mean, let's be honest. How many listen to this show? <laughs> so, you know, yes, Shin Megami Tensei Five has a lot of concepts that are very difficult, if not almost impossible for a five-year-old to understand, but I make sure she doesn't see the excessively violent parts. Hmm. That's on me if she sees that. Just like how it's on the parent to make sure they don't take their eight-year-old son to see La Blue Girl in theaters or... Or to see any 18 plus or 17 plus film at a theater. (laughs) And that they don't catch like Harvey Birdman at 1130 p.m. on Adult Swim. 
or whatever the example could be that's relevant. Like, yeah. come on. Well, the funny thing was, the irony in all of that was when we hear the story and stuff like that is, we always talk about the difference between North America and Europe and stuff like that, and how they don't like violence and blood, but they're okay with the sexiness and the sex, but North America yeah. is the opposite. And what got them in trouble was violence and blood and stuff like that, which is the irony of ironies. Oh, yeah. Given yeah. what some of the other things they obviously have uh, put out there, especially on the kitty side. It's like, hey, you bought the thing. Mm -hmm. you... The TV should not be a babysitter. But who knows how long... Um... John is going to be, but he's been doing like a video a day, a small video a day. So it's give, interesting give to uh, check it out. Maybe I'll have some interesting stories here and there. And he said he's still going to do um, the conventions and stuff like that. And we've seen him at Anime North and stuff like that. So he'd I'll be, be an interesting if he comes would back. Would he be an interesting interview for this show? Yes, that goes without saying. Okay, remind me to remind me to try and get in touch with him. Because he probably will come up this year. He usually comes up. Yeah, you could just talk. Okay, so that's what's one thing that caught your attention, uh, James. And then the other one, I think I told you, Mike, and one it's weird because I looked at it, and then they had a tweet from earlier in the year, in August, and it ties into the AI art and how people are in an uproar and different uh, things and stuff like that. And, Anime News Network had posted something uh, earlier in the week about uh, Shinchocha is a publisher and stuff like that in uh, Japan. And they were going to publish an AI drawn uh, manga by this creator or company called uh, Rootport uh, using AI software to edit and assemble this supposedly co cohesive sci-fi tale basically reimagining the legend of Momotaru called Peach John. And it looks like it's trying to go with the Blade Runner type thing, where it's like Neo Okayama and stuff like that. And then him uh, going on his adventure, so to speak. And supposedly, I guess, August 10th, they had begun, report this company had begun posting on Twitter of what they had created and stuff like that. And I guess now they've gotten a publisher, uh, Shinchocha to actually publish it in a physical form, which is kind of interesting to see uh, how that uh, fares, especially since people are wondering how that's going to shake things up uh, probably in the future and even next year, even though there's a lot of places online that are trying to say, we do not want AI art on our platform because it'll cause things to muddy the waters, to say the least, right? Yeah, that's, I'm aware of the discussion. Every so often, I have artist friends on Facebook chiming in, obviously, basically echoing your concerns, James, the ones that you just brought up. So, I, I mean, there isn't, I, I don't really know what to make of this. I mean, always a, being a little skeptical about it, especially hearing all these weird stories about AI art. Some people trying to you know, complete others' sketch own drawings and sketches, and then well, passing them off as their last year. Yeah, and then tried to copyright strike them, and it's like that makes no sense. But people have already tried that last year, and they caught got caught out on that. And it's 
like just craziness to say uh, the least. And it's weird, like it, maybe it could help certain people that don't feel confident in their drawings and stuff like that, maybe reach new heights or something like that or have confidence in themselves. But unfortunately with bad actors, I think it'll go more the way of cryptocurrency and stuff like that, which is unfortunate. As a, as what a, you, you believe in, you, you could see AI as more of like an assisting tool. Yeah. Like certain things, they could be good in them and there could be ways we could use them for identification purposes. Uh, there were some AI things that could do that, but unfortunately the way the market has decided they want to use them, they're using them in ways that are unfortunately just it, it it just doesn't pass the sniff test. Like they just feel like scam after scam after scam. And then it makes the technology, which may be able to be used for certain good and maybe help certain things in certain areas to be like dead in the water, which is unfortunate. But mm -hmm. unfortunately that's what happens is someone thinks they can use it and make a buck off it. And then it turns it into something even worse. Right. And so it just kills everything for it. Right. One way to put it. Okay. Like the internet at the beginning, right? We said, oh, this is going to help people connect and all this other stuff, and we're all going to be happy and stuff like that. And look where we are now, right? Yeah, I know. Uh, because in the it's way like it's Twitter. Evolved, and, yeah. Well, Actually, uh, we can ask Mo. Since on? Mo is always on the uh, Death Watch, uh, when is Twitter going to die next year? I believe it's going to go bankrupt October of this year. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Kevin, he gets no. the hypertube done, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, exactly. He's going to go bankrupt and then he's going to, you know, get us to Mars. It's all going to be good. Don't worry, guys. Or maybe he, maybe uh, something good will happen on the Tesla side. Kevin, Mo, do you have something you want to bring to the table? At least uh, something that will have your attention as 2023 starts? Uh, part two of Bleach. Bleach is really good. I'm. Really much enjoying that, and I want to see part two. So I guess we can talk a little bit about the current season in a bit. Kevin? Uh, so just to quickly ask Mo, uh, you, so you've, you've been watching Bleach and Chainsaw Man, I'm assuming? Yep. How are you finding Chainsaw Man? I don't know, man. <laughs> it, it was good, and then it just became like... I don't know. Like, I haven't read the manga, so all this is new to me, and I should be more excited, I guess. But I'm just... Like, it started off so strong and just kind of got, like... Like, long, you know? Like, I, I can foresee... What do you mean by long? It seems like it's going to go on for, like, a really long period of time. You know, the whole... They have the big bad, and they got to collect all the pieces, and... I don't know, it just... It feels like it's going to go on for a while. <laughs> so you feel like they're going to do a break and then... Do another 13 like we've seen with academia and others i guess huh that's all but guarantee at this point yeah yeah that, that's yeah like would you say there was a tonal shift that happened towards the end of the season yes 100 percent. yes and it, it seemed like in the beginning it felt different and at some point i guess when you know he starts doing the double killing non stuff, but it's like it shifted. It just it felt it felt different now. Now it feels more like I don't know, more serialized, shown in long term Naruto Bleach type esque uh, show. 
So you, you mean, don't you, think you don't think it's a good tonal change then? Yeah, as yeah, you, not really. <laughs> as you're saying it, you make it sound like it's a bad thing because it works for some titles, but this, this doesn't sound like one of them. I will say, as a person who is reading Chainsaw Man, as new chapters are coming out because part two has started, it's going to change even more. Mo and uh let me ask this has reze debuted yet do you know who that is no idea we oh have, interesting we, she we, hasn't shown up yet we capped so, up the season with uh katana man and his his storyline has anyone died yet spoiler alert for yeah, anybody who's watching the, the the girl with the eye patch i mean spoiler obviously. oh that did happen oh i i, I miss her so much i liked her uh, <laughs> I guess that me and Mike well, are gonna have to watch this because is this, I skipped Chainsaw I mean, Man really, this is season. Is there a point? I mean, granted, <laughs> no. So, so I'm of the opinion, among with others, that uh, Tatsuki Fujimoto just is so good with framing his characters and framing the events that unfold in a way that rarely happens in manga nowadays some of it may not translate that well into animation and that's why you saw that silly little petition happen but oh, yes uh, the online petition to redo chainsaw man which yeah, not happen a little crazy. I well, they've probably done other things like that, but I guess they uh, well, reported that because it kind of became its own thing. I guess, right? It's sort of Game of Thrones esque in many ways to me, at least on the outside, as I just read the headline. How so? It well, everybody hates how it's going, and then they want to change it. Not everyone. That the, I or would say that's people. a vocal minority. Okay, maybe nonetheless, they make themselves known. But, I mean, changes happen all the time, right? I mean, longer-running shows have gone through different studios and artists and so forth, right? I mean... Do people just don't like the direction. It doesn't have its happy ending. Uh, I mean, okay, the other title that always comes to mind is How I Met Your Mother. But... Mm. Oh, that was... Come on, man. <laughs> but that was... That's that's different. <laughs> well... Is it, though? It's the vision of whatever. The producers, I guess. I mean, yeah, it, it's just a, a vision, and it if it doesn't sit well, it doesn't always sit well. It sucks, yes, but that's what fan fiction is for. That's what the discussions are for, speculating, having fun. Some people maybe take it too seriously. I, I don't know. Sorry. I guess it for me, kind of... Mm -hmm. Oh, go ahead. Oh, you go ahead. No, I was just thinking about the conversation, considering that we've talked more about Chainsaw Man than what uh, Mo said about uh, him enjoying Bleach last season. Those were the two big ones, and Crunchyroll threw their mini money behind Chainsaw Man and all the buzz before and after. It definitely, I guess, worked out for them on that one, because it just keeps on getting buzz again and again and again. Yeah, well, the, if you believe in the whole idea of, you know, there's no such thing as bad publicity. I guess the other question is, when you guys were watching, Kevin probably just watched all subtitle, but Mo, did you watch any of the dub then? Because I know they were doing dub and sub almost simultaneously. I did for Chainsaw Man, kind of went back and forth. 
Um, I think like by like six, kind of just stopped and went all all subbed. But I like the dub. I did the same thing with Bleach. The dubs are getting good, man. They're not they're not terrible. Well, no, it's interesting because th- some of them they are just so simultaneous. And one of the ones I'm watching this season, I'll mention later, is doing the same thing day and date with English and um, the Japanese for dub and sub. But okay. this season for my Shonen Fix, I ended up watching the second season of uh, Spy Family and stuff like that. Oh, mm. we'll, we'll get to the cues later. It's it's interesting that you don't see as many people talking about Spy Family because of all the discourse happening between Bleach and Chainsaw Man and even the newest season of My Hero Academia. I was going to say, there was, what about uh, Mob Psycho? Mob Psycho was in yes. there too, and it kind of got lost in the shuffle, and it was a big show, remember? Like, it was a big yep. season. That's why I said it was kind of crazy how it all unfolded and all the money probably spent by Crunchyroll and all these other ones. And uh, you have a lot more girls watching Gundam because of the new season that was airing. And uh, you also have a nice vocal minority uh, talking about Eminence and Shadow and Bochi the Rock. So, yeah, seems like this past fall season was very strong by all accounts. Despite <laughs> despite a lot of the attention always being on uh, Chainsaw Man. See, it's it's interesting that I don't remember the last time there was so much hype surrounding a show before it aired to the degree that Chainsaw Man got. Hmm. I really can't think of one, like maybe Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Okay. Maybe. Is I'm that, just you, throwing you, out random. You guys have a better pulse on random titles, but... But I don't know. Yet... Well, see, the thing is, they had uh, definitely now the social media engine more revved up compared to, say, what Brotherhood probably would have had way back when. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it definitely went into overdrive before they even aired an episode or did anything. But obviously, they're so intertwined between the companies now, both overseas and in Japan and the committees and all that stuff that they have a good feeling probably well before they even get to production almost. So it's kind of crazy how far ahead we are by the time we get to airing and stuff like that. Because I I was reading Chainsaw Man from the very beginning. This was when I was still actively reading Shonen Jump through the app. And so I caught it right upon its debut. And even like even like two, three, four months after it started coming out, it was it was fascinating to see how popular this manga was getting in various online circles. And it's well deserved. Just the way Fujimoto like drafts his storylines and and how good the comedic timing is between his characters which are all a bunch of shitheads by and large, but <laughs> they're, but they're lovable shitheads for the most part. And, and then the things that will happen later on that will happen in season two, just the way how Fujimoto kind of has the cinematic eye when it comes to showing the things he wants to show to us. Like it was just, 
so impactful. It really leaves a lasting impression. Sounds pretty cool in that sense. And that's why I'm very curious as to what Mohammed and others will think when they end up making another season because it really is only a matter of when. Because I I predict it's gonna, get, it's gonna change. It's gonna change even more. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna say I predict what happened. With, that was just the beginning. I predict what happened with Attack on Titan is gonna happen with Chainsaw Man, where that first season was super hyped. A lot of people loved it. Then like, there probably will be a gap. I mean, obviously between seasons, and then big drop off, and then you know by by the fourth or fifth season, people hop back on and. We'll see. <laughs> it was interesting to see how that happened with Attack on Titan too, but it was also, I think with Attack on Titan, it was also because, yeah, some the storyline got pretty political in that middle chunk. And then also just because I guess they wanted to not rush along with the content too much because they probably didn't have an idea of when it was going to end. But then once the ending happened, then you could more adequately pace mm-hmm. yourself in terms of, okay, we can animate this much now. Yeah. Okay. It's like with Demon Slayer, like how now that they, the source material is complete, like they can do that at a faster clip now. They can, and they, and they can, they can chart its course yes. for its anime presentation. It's, it's one of those, like, of course, We've had this constant discussion of how much each part of the media mix matters, right? But usually they want it at the same time to rev it all together, but some of them now, they've went back to the well, and even if there isn't anything present at one of them, sometimes they're able to rev that engine again, so to speak, and so they're able to continue that with Demon Slayer especially because it just hit the mark in Japan, so to speak, it became a cultural phenomenon, as we said, kind of like Pokemon. Hmm. But thinking on Fujimoto, the uh, creator of Chainsaw Man, that I guess the good thing about the success too is some of his other uh, odd side projects have started to come over, like his one shot, which was over 100 pages, which they brought over in the uh, app, I believe. And it was interesting reading that too, because it was a different look uh, at a different story, more set in modern Japan in that, and more kind of slice of life, you want to say. Did you read that one, Kevin? No. Which one? Uh, his one shot. Sorry. I believe they had it on the app. I forget what they called it, but it was what? like over 100. Are we talking showing There's or? a few. There's like a, there's at least there's two. at least two I think. But I remember you're, the first one I read, and that's the one I'm probably thinking, thinking of. of. Goodbye, Airy, which I mm-hmm. regrettably did not finish reading, and I I'm told I really need to because I hear that's also fantastic. But mm. it was an interesting thing that uh, they brought those over because normally you don't always see those and a lot of the times with the shonen uh, creators and stuff like that they're so busy and doing other things right that you never see those other sides you know what i mean so obviously he's quite a creative mm-hmm. force in his own right as we know okay yeah, i haven't seen like periphery works get released this quickly from viz hmm. and that was the thing too and like granted fire punch came up before chainsaw man but 
yeah okay. seeing like the like the looking back book that came out not too long ago that was a pretty quick turnaround yeah all right well you have me it, it, it's so much to watch and has me a little bit curious but you i mean that's chainsaw man's going to continue i guess and i'll confess i i haven't watched it well but you're you seem very well versed in the story to this point yeah because i've read it yes yeah. well okay. i'm sure you can bring it up on the queue at some point stuff like that if you we'll still have the uh, French Rose subscription, the... right? After they gave us the good old uh, hike. Well, I need to. Uh, I to need to fair. give up on the notion of focusing on watching stuff. Mm. I just can't. I just don't make the time. I have to no, let you. You, you, you seem better at the manga stuff. That, that's what it is obvious. It well, that's just, just what I end up making my priority in the end. Yes, well, which is fine. I mean, it's the rest of the story, as a popular saying from the '90s went. But on the note, like coming into 2023, and I guess this is mine, uh, the thing I'm keeping up with. And then, of course, as as the year goes, we're going to keep talking, 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 of course. Coming into 2023, one article, and it's related to everything else we've talked about, January, oh, January 6th, so this is yesterday, uh, two days ago. There was this article on Wired about talking about how Netflix has to is repivoting itself in the aftermath of canceling yet another series. The, this series in particular is 1899 and how sometimes it's hit, um, the series it chooses are have a dedicated fan base, but not enough to sustain it or fun, global phenomenons like squid game. But then there is this and I'm going to, I, I want to give the author a little credit because um, Angela Watercutter, she had one really interesting quote at the very end of the article, which had me really thinking about where, you know, Netflix could end up going in the future. And we have a sense of it already because of some of the moves that have already happened. And of course, the password thing and the subscription hikes that are going. And I'll, I'll, I got a quote her because I thought it was an interesting line. Netflix was once, once the place where weirder, more obscure shows were given space and time to thrive. But the 1899 cancellation shows that the company, like any streamer, is now in the position of having to operate much like the TV networks that came before it. When cable, particularly original programming on cable, came along... Major networks suddenly had much less captive audiences. Streaming has arrived at that inflection point. The good news is that services like Netflix are creating all kinds of lost gems for people to discover later. The bad news is that the companies may not always want to keep those shows around. And I thought that was a, well, the first part of that uh, quote was, I thought, really interesting. Having to... Becoming mainstream to a fault, it sounds like. And it had me thinking about, okay, let's relate it to anime. Because we talked about how they are starting to rethink, seemingly, their anime strategy. Committing to less, less longer series. And those series weren't long to start, maybe at most, at most 12 episodes. But make them more one-shots, features, etc. Shorter run episode, shorter Our run series. 
Mm. Yes. So let's relate it to the anime industry. Yes or no, is this a good thing? Or are we talking too broad right now? And, you know, this is just something we worth a longer flesh out. Maybe not, uh, maybe worth a longer discussion and more than just me touching on it right now, briefly. I think it'll depend on the property and the production committee that they work with, because I think at the end of the day, they're still, they look at the outside as we know and stuff like that. And that's the North American audience and obviously the Chinese audience and stuff like that. But they still, I believe, look at the home market first. And so there's going to be that factoring in stuff like that of, oh, can I broadcast this in Japan and stuff like that? And how am I going to market it and do all this other stuff with other parts of my strategy and stuff like that, which will be interesting because we've seen them work with top studios and stuff like that and had some interesting things like Great Pretender and things like that. It's like if they're going to go shorter episodes and more, I guess, as you said, mainstream, what does that look like and stuff like that? And does it look like um, what we see here outside of Japan or with our uh, ideas kind of mixed in, or are they going to take things from Japan that are already taking hold here? And we're seeing that in the NFL with the Shonen stuff and things like that, and maybe work with Shonen Jump or something like that to do a shorter thing with one of their properties. You know what I mean? So, yeah, which now that you've, uh, and that'd be a hard that. thing to do. Yeah. But now that you've brought that, brought it up that, uh, that line of thinking, comicbooks.com, this was on the fifth. So on Thursday, I believe it, it is headline Toho announced a stake in new shows, including B and puppy cat and more. And this phrase, Toho has invested ownership into a slew of Western animated series. Basically, Toho is ready to invest in, quote, Western anime, which I think was a line from the article. Mm. And as I said, I'm not totally sure that's good or bad. Or it's just the way it's going. It just is. I mean, in some ways, Netflix might have been the trendsetter for the way this is going, but it doesn't want to be anymore. So where does the trend go for anime? Crunchyroll. We just talked at length about the way Crunchyroll is handling a couple things, for better or worse. People but maybe still that's... debating about things in the new season. I know one of their... Well, you know, people okay. are already talking about, I guess... Uh... I'm not sure if you called censorship, but a different uh, version of said show uh, showing up on their uh, thing in the fact that they still don't have, like they've been adding older shows and that, and the issue of some having home video uh, on the streaming and some not. And that kind of flies in the face when you look at uh, High Dive. And one of their things when you subscribe to them is they specifically have one of the perks is home video editions. And so you never know if you're going to get that home video from Crunchyroll anymore, like on Blu-ray or physical. So it's like you may never get that complete you, version I, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, we're using the term, we're taking out the terms broadcast edition and then just 
you know, you know what I, where, what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I mean, you have a, when you have a broadcast edition, it's quasi edited, I guess, or somewhat edited, but then you depends have on how video. bad the edits are. Yeah. And some of the stuff on Netflix, some of the deals they've done, obviously they've had uh, the broadcast edition stuff like that, but quite a few of them as well. They've been their own original thing and stuff like that. So it's kind of like whatever you got is whatever you got. You know what I mean? And that sounds more where they're going, as you said, with those shorter type shows, maybe six episodes, 11 episodes, maybe they're longer episodes, right? Maybe they're not 23, 25 minutes. Maybe they're closer to 50 minutes or something like that, right? Or maybe, as you said, they're more feature film type uh, one shots and stuff like that. Hmm. But here we are. So, well, we knew it would be coming because we have so many people trying to compete, and so they got to figure out a way to get those eyeballs. And then, as we've seen, they've either raised the prices or they've raised the specter of, okay, we're going to put ads on you. So, they originally, as you said, it's like cut the cable uh, cord and come to us. And now, guess what? You're back at square one. Yeah, we are. That's the feeling, anyway. But on the anime side, we're still uh, better off than uh, what we were and stuff like that. I, I guess. It's just that, well, it's never going to be perfect. So here's how it's not perfect. Right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It, it's it, it's so weird. I mean, there's this, once again, there's that old man feeling from in me that's saying it's still got it real, got, got it real good these days. Or me saying bunch of spoiled brats but I, I i guess i can understand that there's frustration because you're never going to get it perfect i guess it's just I, I it's just maybe i don't fully understand that frustration like i said i'm not of that age remember when i started that pokemon discussion with with amy and kevin a couple weeks ago I said, I understand that this is a big thing when, with Ash finally being written out. But I, I can't appreciate that. So I asked them to express that. And maybe that's where, that's a version of it here. But going into 2023, these are some of the things that grabbed us as we crossed over into the new year. And of course, there'll be plenty of other things later on. Oh, sorry. I was thinking, funny enough, there was one thing that hit my mind for 2023, and it should come out because we heard it was going to come out. I think it was the end of last year they announced. But uh, that uh, curmudgeon old man, uh, remember? I think uh, Heo Miyazaki, I hear new movie uh, coming out in the summer. On the topic of grumpy old How, how, How do you live? And so it'll be interesting to see if it goes outside Japan, obviously, uh, by the end of the year and stuff like that. But it'll be interesting to see how that uh, comes out and how that does. How do you live, Hayao? But I guess the real question is, after it finally comes out, will he finally retire again? And how long before (laughs) he retires? (laughs) I think that's the yes-no we should start the year off with. No, he's not going to retire until... He'll, he'll, that film does better than Suzune. Well, my, my, my theory is he'll Eternal, <laughs> now Eternal Rival. Competition. Oh my god. He'll put his he'll put his awareness into an AI sometime before he dies. So 
you know, we'll have them in perpetuity. That's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, I think you know what people, the, I, film. the strange part is I think people would could go with that. I'm just saying. Okay. As I said, the we'll we'll watch the headlines as they come, and maybe we'll uh, see what other analysis is as uh, 2023 begins. Oh, uh, I I actually when you initially asked me about things that like caught my attention, actually I we got sidetracked because of the whole Chainsaw Man conversation, but uh, so Romantic Killer Volume Two came out from Viz. Oh yes, this last is here. Week. I, I did. Uh... I saw this in our Discord. Okay, go ahead. And, Give me a thought. And once again, uh, as Viz has continued to actively promote this manga to the point where they've even done different videos getting people to try out the manga at cons. Uh, they got Kiera Please, a famous uh, african-american cosplayer and musician to even do a video talking about how much she enjoys the manga there has been a vocal minority of shoujo and jose manga fans who have been uh, complaining to viz and making sure that they're aware that Romantic Killer is not a shoujo manga. Why are you promoting this as a shoujo manga? So why they say this is because Romantic Killer, when it was being released in Japan, was on the Shonen Jump Plus app and website. So this is like a supplementary digital magazine in Japan where as many as 50 or 60 different series could be being released at once at various different release schedules. So uh, some titles that we know are being published on that on Shonen Jump Plus include Spy Family, uh, Kaiju Number 8, uh, your favorite anime and manga and mine, World's End Harem. Uh, Don to Don is also on Shonen Jump Plus, Hell's Paradise was as well, among other popular and more unknown titles. And it's interesting to see just this whole discourse happening every time Viz uh, promotes Romantic Killer because it is part of the shoujo beat lineup but it was on the shonen jump plus app so people are inclined to say that romantic killer is a shonen series yet wataru momose the creator of romantic killer uh if i'm not i'm pretty sure this is the case and i i was trying to find the tweet for the past 30 minutes but i couldn't find it mm -hmm. He expressed that he considers Romantic Killer to be a shoujo manga. Hmm. hmm. So they're doing it based on the creator's wish, you think? Hmm. So the creator considers 
it to be a shoujo manga that should be the be all and end all of the matter you'd think you'd think but and also this is not really commonly addressed but shonen jump plus isn't necessarily a shonen digital magazine so to speak it's just a service you could argue that it's more of a service like i mean i i mean as i hear this story there i think of an ends justify the means type thing yes uh, and uh, am i losing something here though i would say you're not uh it's just interesting to see how sh- the the show Jose community as as it's being coined nowadays. Uh, sure, is, why not combine words? We do it. That's, all no, time. that is what that is what they refer to themselves as now. Okay. The community, the online community that reads, like uh, you know, what is usually considered Jose and shoujo manga are just repeatedly like mentioning how like you know this is not this is not a shoujo manga why are you not promoting your yeah, other shoujo manga yeah. as near as much as romantic killer like this seems this is like for them it, it seems like it's a topic of contention which is in one sense kind of weird but I mean, they're not all the same. Sorry, and what's the last word? I'm I'm interesting. All the same, they're they're not like on the outside. I I feel they're not wrong. But remember when we had that discussion about re-releasing and republishing shoujo manga, and this realize and this like we had this discussion in the fall, didn't we? Like Mm -hmm. the market isn't like the market by itself. For shoujo isn't big enough or sustainable enough at least in comparison to shonen so sometimes yeah. you may have to cannibalize you may have to have something ride coattails that's why that's why i use the phrase yeah, and, and justifying the means yeah and of, uh, mm-hmm. no i was thinking that obviously this has some buzz and it's got some sales and it's doing well in the shoujo beat line for them, it sounds like. And the creator obviously considers it shoujo, so that's fine. But the other thing is, hopefully, maybe some people that are reading that at the back, maybe they'll check out some other shoujo beat titles and stuff like that. So hopefully, maybe it raises the sales of some other series and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So it can be mm-hmm. also a boon. It doesn't have to be a detriment. That's the thing. It's, yeah. well, as I said, it, and ju- ends justify the means to me and that's what you know I'm, I'm a little it almost feels like the people that our spines keep on changing and they're like i don't like it that all my spines look different on my monger on my books i like i've just well, gotten used to it are you to the to people complaining about it or just the yeah i know i've heard that many a time and that's it, kind of what it feels like to a kind of a small degree they may uh, not like that analogy but in a way yeah, people change logos all the times. People change labels. Like labels change all the times. Logos change all the times. Brandings change all the time. 
Try being a try being a soccer fan sometimes in Chicago mm-hmm. or Montreal right now because they've changed yeah. their logos once every year. Quickly on the logo thing, uh, it's interesting to see how with the recent Viz reprints of their older back catalog, like Slam Dunk, like Banana Fish, like Yu Yu Hakusho, they actually did not change the spines, even though that was normally common practice. I think just in the case of the old back catalog titles, they decide to not even spend the time to make those changes, which makes more sense to me. Well, you know, if you already had the files, right? Why not? Like, what files, you have and stuff if, like if, that, if, if it's was unimportant, cast. right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's funny because it's, in, you know, in the, in the last two previous spine changes with the Viz logo and with uh, the like sub-label logos, like they've made those changes. So people who do care about spines being exactly the same, in, at least in terms of like the logo and like the Shonen Jump logo and whatnot, like it's just funny to see how like that's the case now. Mm-hmm. You know, when you talk about first all world problems, yeah, first world problems, no kidding. When you talked about this, as you just talked about all of this, I thought of, out of all things in the world, The Price is Right. In the final years of Bob Barker's time hosting Price is Right, the original production company, the Mark Goodson production company that produced the show at the time, got absorbed. I think it was into either Fremantle Media or Endemol. I think it was Fremantle. And they could have used all, changed all the graphics packages to reflect that. They had every right to, but they allowed, they just let the, uh, let the, um, the brandings associated with Bob Barker's time hosting that show remain right up until he finished up hosting. His run was over. And then when Drew Carey came on, they kind of freshened it up, so to speak. You know this, right? Or you mm-hmm. kind of know where, the, where this story's going. Mm. Yeah, the Fremantle uh, logos became more prevalent. New graphics package, new feel, new uh, uh, like remixed remixed theme song or redone theme song, and a complete new look to the studio as uh, as Drew Carey took over. And it's it's evolved. It didn't stay in a time warp where you know maybe at a point uh, Bob Barker's version of the show did. And we've seen that with some of the other ones they've brought back with some other game shows and things like that, of course. So. Nostalgia is, a, nostalgia is a, you know, it can be good, it can be bad. I mean, you take it all and there you have. But uh, I guess that's a double-edged sword with it. So, it, first world problems, you're right. And you know what's also, just going back to Romantic Killer, you know what also kind of, I shouldn't say it baffles me, but it, this is a testament to how passionate the shoujo community is, is that they would go and say, well, how come you're not promoting your other shoujo beat titles? Which is true, I have to say, uh, because in this latest round of promotions for Romantic Killer, 
it's been more on the Viz Media account side rather than the Shoujo Beat account in particular. Which leads me to believe that they don't see much point in promoting it to fans of Shoujo and trying to get that broader audience more engaged with it. And well, to get and engaged you know with Shoujo. You know what I'm about to say. And you know what I'm about to and say. And it's just like, it kind of, you see, though, this is the way I see it. The Netflix release of that anime happened back in the fall. It seems like it did get traction to some degree. This is the first, like, major, like, I shouldn't even say major, but this is the first shoujo property they had in a while that has had an anime adaptation, a recent anime adaptation, no less. I can't even think of the last time uh, Viz had a shoujo property where the anime and the manga were ongoing. Like, the, the only ones I can think of that were remotely recent, but not really, are Anonymous Noise and Yona of the Dawn. Hmm. Because I will say Viz's shoujo pickings have gotten kind of slim, as we mentioned last time we talked about shoujo manga on this podcast. Uh, it seems like their last few pickups, or at least the most recent pickups, were older shoujo manga that for whatever reason they passed on in the past, but now they've decided to pick up. So they picked up, I think, Rainbow Days, I think is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Yes, they picked up Rainbow Days. That's starting to come out now. That anime aired six years ago. I think, no, seven years ago. It aired in, winter. it was the winter 2016 season when that show came out. But they didn't, they're only releasing the manga now in 2023 and i believe they're doing uh there was like there was another one i can't remember the name right now but uh we can you know we have to move on soon anyway (laughs) yeah but But i I get oh it's it's wolf oh it was wolf girl and black prince i recall oh okay i believe that that title that title actually sounds familiar I believe that's the one. It, or it could be I no, not it's not Wolf Boy is mine. That's that's a different one. But uh so and actually people are saying that the the male protagonist is problematic actually, but uh <laughs> they're not always picking up newer titles or what are seen as the more commonly requested shoujo titles as of late. Maybe so it makes you wonder how much budget that they have, right? And so, but it's like, it makes sense that you're going to heavily promote a title that's recent and put all your resources towards that. But really just take on other routes with it in the process. That's what yeah, I'm and I feel about. like mm-hmm. most 
most of the people who are complaining about why aren't you promoting your other shoujo beat titles don't really realize this that of course you need to promote what is seen as the hotter property like because if if you go like all gung-ho on promoting say rainbow days like are people really gonna go and go back to watch a seven-year-old anime not likely yeah just put it on the back cover i don't even know if it's still streaming legally right now it probably is probably is but then like that i guess that's the purpose of the back cover once in a while yeah it's yeah hit anime from such and such Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but sometimes like one of the ones we'll mention it it kind of seems you know from an outsider's point of view it might this sounds kind of silly like like mo do you think do you think this is silly like this whole like yeah controversy i mean a little bit (laughs) i mean what do you mean i disagree i think a lot (laughs) this is silly (laughs) like you know and and come at me sorry like you know i wish they promote i wish viz promoted more of their shoujo lineup too and i wish that they kept more of their back catalog in print which they are kind of starting to do because recently they did reprint some volumes of Nana, some volumes of Call Me Sama Kiss. Uh, volume 12 of My Love Story got reprinted recently uh, and a few others. But then, uh, you know, Lovely Complex is still massively out of print. And that's a title that it seems like numerous people have asked them about. Yeah. So yeah, who knows? Maybe there's a chicken egg argument here. I guess it's, it's like yeah, you you, you gotta have a cat. Like the problem is you can only more relevant. Yeah, you need you need to find your spark somewhere. Could only print so much, and if they want to send something to the printers, it's got to be worth it to them. And obviously, the Shonen Jump line is the big cash cow, and they can print those larger print runs there compared to the other. But then, as you said, with the digital front, it's still kind of. A question mark for them with those things because we have seen Kodansha go that way with a lot of their shoujo stuff is go digital. Yeah, yeah. I I wish we got more legal shoujo and jose manga. To be honest, like uh, print or whatever means necessary, like digital. To be honest, whatever, there's a big so, gap for that. Yeah, and I and I get and I would file that under whatever means necessary. But because you um, you know, a lot of a lot of uh a lot of girls like reading webtoons right now a lot of girls reading uh a lot of girls reading donmei well, novels right now and that comes back down to our law, our discussion like the long debate we've had about the merits of di- about of ebooks digital readers etc girls could girls are into that Okay. All right, guys, before let's lighten it up. What's in your cues now? What are you playing? What are you watching? What are you reading? I was going to say, we, we could talk about the new season, I guess. Uh, well, that's and, the, uh, there, I'll, like, I'll say one, a, a couple of things for the new season. A, more. a few things about the new season before I show uh, what I'm playing. But um, interesting enough, interesting uh, variety of shows and stuff like that. One that's interesting, uh, I'm not sure if Kevin's watched it or read the manga. It's an interesting one because 
The manga is complete in Japan and North America by Seven Seas, eight volumes. Tomo-chan is a girl. Oh, and yeah. I basically, I watched that. And Crunchyroll, I guess, is on the committee because day one on Wednesday, they had sub and dub right there. And it kind of feels like the Ooh. most unlikely series to come back and then be simulcast dub and sub. And so it's uh, a fun one. I'm watching because I read the manga. I got them all from Seven Seas. I guess the question, I'm sure Kevin will say the same thing, is we know with Seven Seas is if we see something, usually you want to get sooner rather than later because you never know if it's going to stay in print. So hopefully they actually reprinted Tomo-chan because you never know, right? It might get a bump. They'd be stupid to not reprint it. Uh, Well, I know Tomo was for quite a while was going for pretty cheap, but I guess most of those copies have dried up. I don't know. But, you know, back in November... They finally reprinted Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer, even though you could say it was a few, like two, three months later than it should have been. But, you know, that's probably out of their control mm-hmm. with how the printing situation is still. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's well, interesting in that the other one premiering tomorrow, uh, Vinland Saga Season 2, or as the next mm-hmm. arc uh, would be said, Farmland uh, Saga, is going to be uh, going... <laughs> And so that'll be fun. And it's interesting because obviously the first one was on Amazon. Then last year they put it on to Netflix and High Dive. Supposedly, I'm not sure if it's going to be on Netflix, but it is going to be on Crunchyroll starting tomorrow going weekly. So it'll be interesting to see if we have a third dub. But the interesting (laughs) thing with that one is, as we said before, is we do have the ongoing Omnibus 2-in-1. But supposedly at the end of the year, they're doing like this weird, another omnibus version of a free in one. So obviously they've prepared for that and stuff like that. So that's the other flip of the coin. That's going to be the deluxe edition, as if this was already not like a nice enough edition as it is. But yeah, that'll be a good one. Then uh, I guess the one, and I'll mention it because Kevin, you had said you had been reading it. And I was going to mention to Mike, because I know it was on the Yama Q way back in the day, because I remember a flyer with it. Dragon <laughs> Stampede. Yes. And I know that back in the day in the gallery, and I'm sure he was in the manga there, Kevin, the favorite character, which is back in uh, the new one, Robert De Niro, right? You guys remember Robert De Niro? The partner, the senior to the senpai to uh, Mero, Meryl. Meryl oh, Stride. Wow. Yes. I yes. Guess he is. I but, um, he is. It's interesting with that. So we've seen a lot of um, shows come back and yeah. rebooted. We talked about Yurtsa Yatsura, but Trigun uh, Stampede, this new Trigun, definitely feels a lot different. It's not what I'd say reboot. It's like a retool, reimagination. Studio Orange is doing it. So it's got the CG and stuff like that. Some people had issues, but I enjoyed what I saw with the animation, the CG. They have proven themselves with uh, B-Stars. And I know um, Amy said that was incredible watching that one on Netflix. So they are and I still, still doing continue it. that. I still mm-hmm. got to continue. B-Stars, B-Stars is pretty good uh, yeah. from what I've read. Yeah. But um, Trigun uh, Stampede, this uh, take on it, so to speak, uh, is interesting and stuff like that. It. Uh, one sec. I just want to be sure of 
And just as James is checking, uh, Dark Horse is all but confirmed that they're going to put out Trigon again. Because when someone asked, they basically said, stay tuned. Oh, so you think they'll do a a deluxe one like Berserk and Helsing? They'll at the very least reprint it, if not do a new edition. I think it's, who knows what it'll be. But uh, yeah, this was why I already sold my sets. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it was interesting watching that first episode. We talk about... No Millie Thompson. We have this Robert De Niro yeah, character, this wow. and they are and with um Meryl Strife, which is supposedly she is the fresh young just, investigative reporter with the old guy Robert De Niro. And they're going after, of course, uh, humanoid typhoon. Yeah. It's and they start off serious because they start off with Rem and Knives and um Bash and them leaving the ship with Rem waving goodbye to them to the planet and stuff like that. And oh, it's right there. Her. It's not like, remember how in the old one, it kind of was fleshed down over many, many episodes. It wasn't until the second part you kind of got that. And there wasn't as much as what I would call the weirdness, the spaghetti western. It was kind of there with one of the dual fight scenes they had in the first episode. And there was uh, some of the stuff with... Um, the place they went to after they meet it, up with uh, it, it Bash just, for Meryl like, and Robert yeah. De Niro it, going it just, in. Mm-hmm. Sounds like it gets heavy right away in many respects. Yeah, definitely. But it definitely has, the fight is like off the wall. So it kind of has a bit of the spaghetti Western, the weirdness there. But that's, other than that, it is more serious. And even when they go into this like bar, when they go into um, this town and stuff like that, and basically, Robert De Niro is like, okay, I'm going to have whiskey and stuff like that. And Meryl's like, no, we should get water. And then she finds out later the reason he was asking for whiskey is because their plant is down and they have no clean water. All the water is dirty and filled with bacteria. So he was doing oh. it because he just wanted whiskey for something to drink. Yeah, for it might have been, been the safest bet. But it was weird like because you always remember Meryl like, was the senpai to um millie thompson and stuff like yeah, that it'll be interesting does season... millie thompson come back how did they reimagine that character wolfwood we saw in the um preliminary art and stuff like that so he'll come along at some point and it'll be interesting to see how they reimagine him too i guess because yeah, it, I, this I, one I, I will admit i've only seen the trailer or like a little teaser so I didn't know it, it was starting to air, but uh, there's one to look out for. Okay. Yeah, no, it starts, uh, I think it's every Saturday on Crunchyroll. How many episodes? Just one? Yeah, one so far, and it's just the sub. But it's uh, it's interesting yeah. because of all of them, it's, as we said, it's pretty much a reimagination. It's not it's... a reboot or anything like we've been used to with all these others. It's It's a different beast altogether that you rarely see in anime where they take something existing and say you know what we'll take some parts but we're going to throw it out and mix it all together into something completely different Mm. it's weird because well not weird but when you think about all of these reimaginings and reboots that are that have come out in the past number of years i remember one line when they talked to kenshin and i know we will talk kenshin a little later this year especially around the time the anime comes out Let's put that discussion aside. I know there's been a few headlines concerning the uh, the upcoming anime with all the issues, et cetera, et cetera. But there was one line that came out, I remember, when they started promoting 
the redynamic engine. And they just said, we wanted to present the story as it would be in contemporary, in the contemporary techniques we now use in anime. And I thought that was an interesting line. The story is probably tried and true, but the presentation, the way we go about it, the way it's produced has changed over 20 years. Trigun is more than 20 years old as well. Fruits Basket, at the time it came out, it was approaching, it was at least 15. Here it is, say, Yatsura, let's double, let's, at, let's double and triple those numbers. We're, they just want to reintroduce it, but they have, but it isn't as simple as just reintroducing it, showing the old retro stuff. Like we talked about a few minutes ago with Shonen Jump, with Shonen Titles. You have to kind of use what's presently there in reintroducing. So I, every month or two, I secretly pray for a Rave Master remake. <laughs> See? Love that manga. But, but there it is. But I, I, it would have to be worth the trouble to use the use the techniques we use now. Use the production types we use now. Well, it'll be interesting to see how it goes um, with Trigod Stampede in the future. Mm -hmm. I guess in this season, there's quite a few other ones, but there's one I would recommend to you guys to check out that is coming out every Friday on Crunchyroll, and that is Buddy Daddies, and it's an anime original, it. and it's from mm. PA Works. And sometimes they're hit and miss, but this one looks like it's going to be a hit. The first okay. episode was quite... Humorful to say the least, we have these two assassins for hire. <laughs> and basically, um, it's a Christmas story for the first one because they go back to Christmas uh, a few weeks before. They're going on a job, and then this job they go on that they're going to impersonate Santa to get the, to their target and stuff like that. They run into this four year old little girl who they end up having to take care of. Oh, so boy. it almost makes me feel like, what was it? Like that Ted dancing movie, like three, um, oh, um, three men uh, and a baby or something. Three men and a baby, yeah. I, I'm so feeling that, that vibe Ted from it. We're talking to, it's we're talking Tom Selleck and Steve Tom Selleck yeah. as well. And Tom Selleck is still a thing yet at this point in his life. But that one, it's it definitely has great pretender vibes too, because you have the action, you have the <laughs> assassin, you have the spy, but then they're just trying to take care of this kid. And at the beginning, I, when they're in the future, they're in the mission. And then they get, I guess, a call from the daycare. And they're like, oh, my God, we got to actually go and deal with this kid right now. And then the guy, the target's like, what's going on? And then they just, boom, they headshot him. They're like, let's go and do this. We got to take care of our kid. I'm looking in my I'm looking in my, uh, my Crunchyroll app right now. So I just added Trigun Stampede. What's the other title again? I said uh, Buddy Daddies. I thought it was baby daddies when buddy I first started daddy, the series. Yeah, buddy, buddy daddies is right there too. So yeah, so uh, buddy daddies yeah. is there on Fridays, and that one, trust me, will be a fun one uh, to watch for you guys. Like I've been checking out some other ones. Some right, there are definitely still isekais out there. There's actually some video game uh, anime adaptations this season with Near Automata. Oh and, yeah. Uh, the Trails uh, series is doing uh, oh, yeah. one as well from Falcom, which they have their own little spin on the um, oh, 
it's not Trails in the Sky, which they did a crazy job of just doing the second game of that series as an OVA, but it was the um, Cold Steel games. That's what they're doing. Okay. Trails, Cold oh, trails, Steel. Trails of Cold Steel, yeah. Okay, so, I mean, we're going to keep talking. We could go on for on and on. Um, video games. Well, I guess the last thing just to say what I was playing, or I guess say reading, is uh, this, which He's came up for the Switch. Yeah. I imported and that's uh, Witch of the Holy Knight. And if you're not familiar with that, it's kind of a prequel mm. to Tsukehime, to Fate Stay Night, to the Nasu uh, universe, as some people like to call it. Nasuverse. Yeah. Nasuverse, yeah. But um, they finally well, uh, brought a game yeah. over. They didn't bring over the Tsukehime remake the year before, but they brought this one out last month. It's on the North American uh, eShops. It has English on it. I went through it, as the review said, um, it's about 30 hours and I clocked in with all the side stories, the main story and everything, about 30 hours. So it is more expensive, obviously, but it was worth it going through. Now, the thing is, it's a connect visual novel. So basically, you're reading. That's all you're doing is you're reading and going through. There are no choices. Oh. There is an epilogue, but the epilogue is where you actually get visual novel choices. And the funny thing is when I got there, it has a warning telling you if you finish the story, you may want to take a break because it's long. So I did do that, and I'm glad I did because it was like four and a half hours to go through that epilogue, which is a murder mystery oh, with choices. Oh. But the rest of them, it's just you're going through, you're reading. There is some really cool animation and some action scenes in Chapter 5 and the final chapter, Chapter 12. Obviously, they're not to the same degree as what we're used to with UFO tape table and stuff like that that they work with with some of their adaptations and it's important for this one too because which on the holy night last year when they announced the game they also announced this is the next project that ufo table and type moon are going to work on and it's going to be a movie so it'll be interesting to see mm. how they bring this visual novel which they've updated from 2012 to now to uh, the big screen, so to speak, just like they did with uh, Heaven's Feel, for example, Fate Stay Night, Heaven's Feel. So oh, I want my first. Oh, I want a first arc remake. But yeah, all I can is say like... is, maybe I spoiled myself, but they always had, as people said, this unique take from one part of the medium to the next, right? So I'm intrigued how they'll get there. The interesting part on this is, I hope maybe they can go back and do uh, Tsukihime, the remake, and maybe the next uh, part of that, because they have another Tsukihime to get some of the other arcs done. The one you thing... They're, they're making Tsukihime for the first time, you mean? <laughs> you mean they're making Tsukihime for the first time? It's a new series, it's <laughs> a new oh, property. Wow. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're reimagining it. So the first one they released uh, with the three storylines, they did... Um, reimagining and then i guess there's three more storylines that they would have to do reimagined the thing is with what we've done with this so anaplex is actually publishing this and anaplex of america is actually in the credits and stuff like that helping for translation and stuff and it's interesting because we're so used to anaplex of america with their premiere uh, packaging and their high price and all this other stuff but it feels like they announced this last year that they would have time to get this out the door and make sure the English is in order, right? And hopefully it was on the Chinese side too, because they had some Chinese language options. But 
it's interesting that for the English translation, while everything's good, it's readable, I was able to go through it with uh, Nasu's writing and stuff like that. He definitely has a certain style, may not work for some, but it definitely needed more editing. It needed some someone to read over it a little more because sometimes there were odd sentence uh, structure here and there. There were some things that may take people on. People in reviews kind of mentioned that, like errors in grammar and stuff like that. Like I saw where I should have seen your, I just see a Y and I'm like, oh, that kind of took me out. Or something like instead of phone hung up, it was like it said phone hung, but what they meant to say was the phone rung and stuff like that. So or instead of very hot, they actually put cotton instead of caught. And I'm like, well, that's an interesting choice, but it, you could tell maybe Anaplex of Japan was looking at more than Anaplex uh, USA, but it feels like they needed someone else just to have a fresh eyes and fresh read on it, which hopefully if they ever do anything in the future, like they've only had one other game and it was a fate spinoff, they can fix the nuts and bolts and stuff like that, because I hope it doesn't make them think that people don't want these on the consoles and stuff like that the on problem the switch is, or the though, ps4 which is where they, this released and switch is where will, i was playing it because i wanted to play it portable it was nice yeah. to they'll, read on the portable they'll, they'll, people will hate anyway that's the sad mm -hmm. part and it may and the question is would it scare them completely okay mo kevin cues plays reads what or do you have anything you want to mention, or we save it for another time? Mo can go first. I mean, I think we've covered it all, right? Well, is there one thing that you're, you're watching and uh, in our in our fandom that's worth mentioning, or doing, or or playing, or reading that's worth mentioning in our fandom right now, Mo? Anything? I don't think like I, I think I think really I think it's just for in most cases it's Bleach, isn't it? Is that it? I mean, yes. But anything else? Yes. There was another show. One show. Just yes. one thing. <laughs> it's a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, what is it, Mo? Because I'm curious. I am curious to hear hear what, what other stuff you've been watching, though. So there's a there's new show. It's called Salaryman's Club. It's called Badminton. I highly recommend it. Where is it though? Uh, which uh... it's on Crunchyroll. It's, it's on it's Crunchyroll. A lot of them are on Crunchyroll. I know. There's a few well, on High Dive. got some. Or it's Crunchyroll or Netflix. In my case, right? Okay. That's our, uh, and there's a. Well, at least I'll look it up, and I'll probably put that on my queue. Uh, just add it to the rest of the pile. Kevin, what about you? Anything you're watching or reading right now? Hmm. You know I'm going to be a little bit more long-winded when I go through whatever I'm doing. We'll see if I beat you to that. Uh, well, we only I have... already beat you guys. I took us over uh, the uh, James, James, uh, <laughs> James has a good lead. Heaven. Okay, let's... Uh, I'll give you a couple minutes for sure. So, in terms of, like, what I want to watch or consume, you know, Bochi the Rock flew under my radar for the most part, but then... Uh, now that it recently ended, like seeing some of the positive fan response, as well as like seeing how the creator had to be relocated during Comic Head because of how popular 
her work was got me more intrigued. Uh, so basically, I linked it in the chat, but very quickly, uh, Aki Hamaji, the creator of Bochi the Rock, was at Comic Cat uh, a week or two ago, and she had some, like, she was putting out other doujin chi work, but a lot of people were turning up to see her because, you know, they just watched Bochi the Rock and they, wanted to support her as a result so uh the line management like they had to it got so busy that uh Kamaket had to relocate her outside the usual space where they have tables that's kind of nuts i think yeah, so it, it, the good thing is because they had caps this year they were probably able to actually do it without as much hassle as in previous years where it would have been probably tough if they had the old numbers, you know what I mean? Pre-COVID. Yeah. So It's still nuts to see yeah. those photos that you showed and stuff like that and where they had to put her, right? Like, that's we'll yeah. crazy. Uh, like, we'll put the articles up on the, uh, on the website, yes. So, Sorry, yeah, basically, she was putting out merch and doujinshi for the Blue Archive game, which is also getting very popular uh it's basically like the current it's like the new azure lane or like the new like toho in terms of like just mm -hmm. you know the hot game property whether on phone or on line or whatever but uh yep they said on at 10 around 10 30 in the morning kalmaket had to move her to a different location and then she was perf like apologizing so much on Twitter about uh, how this was happening, you know, because the usual Japanese being apologetic over things that are out of control and inconveniences to their fans, because that's a thing. Uh, it took about an hour for them to move her outside. Yeah, and so she took a photo of her booth, and it's like, yeah, just like it's like there's like a, it's not like a tunnel, like there's like a bridge overhead. Mm -hmm. It's like it looks like it's just on a, like a street. It's kind of amusing in that sense. And then, yeah, they they cleaned her out like within an hour and a half. Like they sold, so she sold all everything. Good. This by is that. all good. Just the good right? thing is it was winter comicet, not summer comicet, because yeah. it would have been sweltering if they were outside. I'm just like, what a wholesome like turn of events that became. Yeah. And uh, and also, it's interesting to see how like some of the guitars that they're using in Bochi the Rock are also selling pretty well from the looks mm -hmm. of it, because that's how it always goes when you use products that are uh, in the show. Because they did use actual Yamaha uh, guitars, if I'm not mistaken, they were Yamaha ones, and yep, those sell well. But that's kind of par for the course. Whenever these things happen, when like you introduce these things in an anime and then you know the anime effect kicks in or the manga effect kicks in yeah because i feel we saw it with k-on and a few other ones and stuff like that other yes guitar and even other things that normally wouldn't sell started seeing an uptick in all these different odd areas right and they kind of tied into that anime or manga or whatever so it's always interesting yeah. yeah, or how, like, I know in the Drops of God, certain wines that were profiled in certain chapters would just just 
dry up. Well, even in, in Yakuza, you have certain whiskeys and, and alcohols that uh, probably saw a bump. And uh, I even think of like when certain locales are featured in an anime, like a lot of fans will then, then make those pilgrimages to that area Good or for to that hotel or to this specific neighborhood good for tourism always is yeah okay uh anything else uh what else do i want to watch uh or, something or else mentioned. i want to continue watching um not anime related at all but uh last week i watched the first episode of the expanse oh that's a good one which was uh originally a sci-fi network tv show but got canned but then amazon picked it up did you know the backstory about that uh i don't have the full details but basically i think it was season three is when sci-fi decided to can it but then amazon decided to uh pick up this like they decided to buy the rights to the shows and then they were able to like complete whatever that book was up to apparently jeff bezos really liked the show and like because it's a really expensive show to make, but he yeah. uh, he personally wanted. It. He was like, "I want this," and he uh, he bought it. So yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting. Like I mean, uh, on the topic of Amazon, remember they their buyout of MGM is almost I think complete or almost complete. So keep an eye where what happens there. Plus, that was a really strong first episode. But what were we gonna say, Mo? I was saying how like Prime is now doing all the um, subscription channels with like Paramount Plus and. All the other, you know, streaming networks. Because I was, I was trying to figure out if I should get Paramount Plus. Amazon kept like integrating it. I guess it's just, it's very, it's very, it's very smart on their part to be the facilitator of other streaming services. <laughs> yeah, like I that first episode was a pretty good intro to that world, uh, and just seeing how we find out who the core cast ends up being it was kind of a, a a bit of a surprise i have to say okay mo knows what i'm getting at oh yeah yeah i was like damn <laughs> he's watching he's watching uh like, i want to watch it like probably will just make repeated trips to a friend's house to watch it because he has the blu-rays for them and that's probably how i'm going to force myself to watch it otherwise well there's motivation for you right there because yeah, i don't normally watch too much like, i don't actively seek sci-fi but like you know you like you you plunk me down and, and i'll watch it and if it's cool i'll keep on going like i don't think don't too to much be... about the, the science and no how time. like the sciences works well at least there's no tie down here so uh like in terms of what i'm actually like reading and uh watching and stuff uh let's see i i am now caught up wor- with world's end harem oh boy has <laughs> um finally made the time to like read like all of what's out in english mm-hmm. physically and yep it's it's wild like whoa like the plot part did hold up in the sense that you know there was more plot and uh you know as 
as a person who's reading tra- trash harem manga, you, you, were hoping, <laughs> you were hoping that certain girls would uh, finally get their time, so to speak, and they did. Wow. That's as much as I'll elaborate. Um, sure. And and I don't know if I don't think James read it, but but uh, no. but just I, like I, I've read, like I kind of take a peek at some of the stuff from Ghost Ship, but I don't uh, buy. But it's interesting that a lot of the stuff they got from uh, Shueisha and Shugaku Khan and stuff like that that Viz didn't want to do, they were okay getting it on a mature line and stuff like that and putting it mm. out, which is kind of interesting. Mm. And it's like, it'd be interesting to see if they have any inkling to look at any shoujo stuff and maybe do something similar after we talked about that discussion earlier in this podcast. Uh, you know, it's interesting in that uh, other companies have picked up this. I, sh- I shouldn't say they picked up the, sh- the slack that shoujo beat has left, but like Yen Press also has been pulling from the Hakusensha uh, back catalog, so to speak. So they recently are putting out uh, Subaki Cho Lonely Planet, which is a very popular shoujo series. And uh, I forgot, it was a smaller publisher that's putting out Utsotsuki Rhetoric, which is another one that I heard is pretty good. Uh, and then Kodansha has actually still been putting out shoujo manga, believe it or not. Uh, some of their digital stuff has gotten physical releases. I noticed uh, that too, because funny enough, I think it's the longest between digital English and then digital phys- physical, and it's an omnibus, and that's PTSD uh, radio. So I've oh, been yes, I recall looking at yeah. that, and they have two omnibuses out, and they're going to have one more out in February because it's only, um, what was it, uh, six volumes. But that one was digital a long, long time ago. So, kind of crazy that it's only started out now but you never know there's always a chance right yeah uh what was i gonna say oh yeah so with with uh that manga i with world's end harem i ended up even reading the scans so that's i'm like as caught up as you can be any means necessary and uh i so the second arc finally started coming out physically uh Volume 13, which starts the Afterworld arc, uh, has come out. And uh, basically, it's a new cast of characters with... And, you know, the older characters do come back at various points. But uh, basically... Because I think... Basically, what I've said before was that, you know, most of most of the men were wiped out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in this new reality... Uh, the, the existing men uh, lack sex drive. So you I'm... have... Yeah. Oh so a lot of the surviving men uh, have do not want to have sex. So that's the new reality of their world right now. Why do I feel that is a uh, dig at uh, the current situation in Japan? <laughs> oh wow it's see uh link does draw parallels to like how our world is now because it was interesting to see how like the pandemic happened while he was drawing that mm. mm-hmm. uh 
oh so well link is the writer and then kotaro sato is the the artist but yeah it's interesting to see how that has turned out uh some characters didn't make it which was kind of sad <laughs> as in the, a couple of them were surprising uh but yeah i you know what yep is it still trash you bet it is but i'm i'm here for it nothing like a guilty pleasure it's it's pretty bad at times i won't lie uh what else i've been reading um oh speaking of other trashy manga i've been reading gigant as well Hmm. the the it's the newest hero uh oku work so did you uh, finish it? Yeah. Because I know I got volume ten in December, and that was the final one. Uh, I have ten in my possession. I'm, you know, I didn't. I kind of did uh, this weird thing where, like, I kind of like flipped through it. I kind of I call it half reading, where it's like I didn't really sit down and read, but I kind of like quickly flipped through. But I basically did read it. Uh, so I got to the, I think I got to like six or seven. So mm. that was when um that big moment ends up happening mm-hmm. so to speak uh also like it's it's also kind of no okay, not kind of it is dumb let's be honest here well <laughs> but, it I mean, is what, what it is what if the... you've read his other previous works exactly gigant so it's it's about a boy who uh who gets acquainted with his favorite porn star and at the same time there's this online voting site that people vote on and whatever has the higher vote the thing happens and it can be anything ridiculous happening and it happens so you can have giant creatures just appearing out of nowhere and terrorizing different parts of the world. But uh, Poppico are the porn star in question uh, for some reason that we don't know at, as of this moment, at least uh, becomes able to become a giant herself. Hence the name Gigant or, or so and if, yeah, and if you've read anything by Hiro Oku, like this yeah, man is based as he comes. Yep, Inuyashiki I like a little more because uh, I, I, old man. I, I have this strange endearment to like older men who kind of, like, kind of just like, kind of lose their way in life, but then find find it again. So that's why I just I don't know. For me, like Inuyashiki was like really engaging. Uh, yeah, but Gigan is so based. And it also has a nice Welsh Corgi in there, too. (laughs) But uh, it was nice. Like, Gigant and Inuyashiki, it's nice that they were shorter series compared to Gantz. Like, both of them were 10 volumes. Inuyashiki had the anime. It's probably still on uh, Amazon Prime. One day, maybe it'll have a physical release or be somewhere else. And it'll be interesting to see Gigant if they decide to do an anime or not. Well, uh, that's not getting an anime. The funny There's thing, no way that's getting an anime. The funny thing I think about Gigant is, we talk about Ghost Ship and they have all the pervy and the more adult uh, stuff they got from that Viz didn't want, and Gigant is on 
mainline seven seas. So I don't know how that happened because I would have thought that would have been ghost ship. But anyway. Well, because I I feel like with ghost ship, it's definitely like the it's more harem rom com kind or of fan curvy. service, yeah. Whereas Gigan is not it's not of that aesthetic. Like, yes, it's definitely horny and you see boobs and you see penises hmm. and you see everything. There is sex. There's lots of violence, but it's not like, yeah, it's not, it's not like to love It's not like Ayakashi triangle. It's not like, uh, any of that kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, and you know what? And and I, why I say I don't think it'll ever get animated is because of the uh, the age gap, James. No, I I could see that too. I know, but you never know. Weirder things have happened, right? So yeah, yeah. If they problems. do OBAs, if they do movies, that's how I see would see it. Well, that's animated, what I was but... gonna say. Like, I don't okay. think it would be a TV series. I think yeah. it would be direct to video or something like that because it would probably have more of that '90s edge. Oh. Yeah. Jeez. It's 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 dumb fun of another kind of ilk, I would say. <laughs> I'm still Yo, amazed we got it knowledge. in physical form over here as a manga, and it was probably based just on the fact creator from Gantz. <laughs> well, yeah, that man sells now, though. Like, but... like he has his devoted audience. But I I feel like I've read something where I think he's not going to be drawing anymore. But maybe I'm wrong. Well, it's just one of those, sometimes you just need one title and then people are curious about anything else later on. Oh, yeah. what I'm, yeah, and, and you, with what you guys have listed, whatever I'm watching is absolutely tame. Or whatever I'm in doing these Well, days. I write okay. tame stuff too. Like, yeah. I, I've been reading Railgun. Okay. Well, you want to go? Which is a lot of fun. I love <laughs> Railgun. I, first time reading after all this time too, but I'll, I'll like elaborate on that another time. Okay, for all well, my list, and this is as we start to end it off tonight. Um, I, I, I'm in, I'm presently in the middle of reading Volume Five of Kaguya Sama: Love Is War because because I've been Ooh, taking that okay. out from the library, right? Yeah, and I guess going into twenty twenty three, I'm more and more a proponent of just going to libraries to read manga. And I think and it's I'm great we can from the go there and too. get manga, yeah. period, right? Because great. you never used to be able whether, to do that, right, Mike? It, whether it's physical or ebook, And I know if yeah. I, as I get to later volumes in Kaguya-sama, uh, if I want to continue, it's, there's more or less just an ebook option. So they do have the ebook options for the manga at the library. So that's always yes. good. And it's weird for because uh, sometimes they have certain volumes and sometimes they don't. So then, Yeah, and that's where I am. I mix and match for Railgun. Yeah. And in in this case, it's like TP uh, Toronto Public Library. It's you know I think they have it up to eighteen or nineteen, but I know there's like a few more, three or four more volumes since then, and those yeah. are on the ebook. And I know there's a waiting list on the ebooks. Oh, and I um, and and I have four volumes, so I have a five, six, seven, and eight. I have to get through them by next Friday. Oh, you just you're about just past where I am because mm -hmm. I'm only at. Like around four or five, I think. Yeah, good reads. I'm I'm enjoying it. I'll, I, it's one of those binge reads for me. Whenever but, I have um, real time to read. So, with the thing, the other thing with my reading experience with uh, Kaguya-sama: Love Is War is that, uh, 
someone referenced a meme about Kaguya-sama to me. And what's that? And then, but it referenced a much later chapter. And you don't totally get it. Not necessarily, but I actually got uh, hooked for some reason. And then I actually read like a good 30 or 40 chapters. There you go. In, in the middle point, even though I didn't read anything from before because I was just really entertained by it. Right. And so, uh, yeah, I spoiled myself on some things. Well, don't, uh, maybe I shouldn't know the meme because maybe I want to be a little surprised. Uh, that- I later learned that I did read the material that is going to be covered in the upcoming movie. Oh, okay. And yeah, that's a little later this year. So, but I've, I'm, as you know, I'm fully caught up on the anime to this point. So that's, that's uh, the read. If I'm able to have a little bit more time to watch, yes, I'll continue the other shows that I've mentioned I've been watching. So uh, Cyber, uh, Cyberpunk Edgerunner. Um, what is it? Uh, how, far, how far did you get? Oh, not still where I stood last time. I haven't watched a single episode. Still on Blue Log. Still on my ex, my my stepmom's daughter is my ex. Still trying to get through uh, those uh, shows. Be the beginning and Be Stars. I still want to continue. So oh. much to wanna to wanna do right now. And then on top of all of this, just for fun, I decided to load in a, a game into my PS5 finally, and that game ended up being Hot Wheels yep. Unleashed. Oh, not Yakuza. Okay. Not Yakuza. It's on Hot Wheels Unleashed because I just wanted something quick to play. So, and and plus maybe I was in a Mario Kart type of mood. If there is one in me. The only thing is maybe I should have gotten the Game of the Year edition when it was on sale. Because it's a, you, you just go around trying to collect cars a lot of the time. It's a fun game though. And plus I just wanted to see what it was like to play uh, a PlayStation game again. So those are, those are, that's my list at the moment. And maybe I'll, and maybe I'll take some time to elaborate at, as, as the year goes. But uh, just a couple things as we start to look for, look further ahead into 2023. Anime North. Okay, let's, uh, let's start to wind this down. Anime North has mentioned a couple of things over the last couple of days. Partner block hotels are, um, partner hotel blocks are now online. Room bookings will open up on uh, Friday the 13th. Cool. That's not om- ominous, right? Yeah. And they will sell out immediately. Yes. So, yeah, there's now, like, info for the hotels are now online. So, yeah, signups begin on the 13th. I think pre-reg begins the same day, coincidentally. Um, they've rebranded the the comic market back into the Artist Alley branding. Oh. So Artist Alley, uh, Comic Market, and Crafters Corner have merged once again into the Artist Alley labeling. That begins on February 11th. So let's start to look ahead to Anime North. And then just uh, as a final New Year's resolution, well, I have two New Year's resolutions since we didn't look back on, since I really haven't had a chance to say this yet. Two New Year's resolutions for this podcast. One, maybe to get to actual, to regular episode number 100 but that's kind of an ask since that would be 24 23 24 more episodes from where we're sitting right now but the other is to well 
There's a reason we're experimenting with StreamYard and recording on StreamYard right now. There is a video that's uh, presently being made of the episode as we're recording it. We probably won't put that out on the YouTube channel, but it is for me to understand a little bit more how to use StreamYard when we start doing live versions. So hopefully sometime in the next month or month or two, we'll uh, do live versions of our space heater chats. Right, James? I guess so. But I will say that Kevin and Mo <laughs> look very different here than in person. Yes, they do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, uh, he, they avatared themselves for as we're recording today. I, not, I got not, the, not the blue kind, not the blue kind. Yeah. I got cosmetic surgery and I look like Marie from Please Teacher. Yes. And, and Mo just plain wants to cover up. Uh, I thought I wanted then, to be Chainsaw Man. Yeah, that too. And oh, man. the other gotta thing... Be, gotta be the doggy, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all about Pochita. Mm-hmm. And the other part is I want to try and get more familiar with this and familiar with playing PlayStation games again because one thing I, I have always mentioned one I wanted to do is stream, uh, do a little bit more streaming with you know, anybody who is willing to watch live. It's a, it's the reason I haven't played uh, Yakuza Kiwami 2, because I thought I could stream it for people, but uh, hey, two years in the making. Okay. It's yeah, the... I, I, it's, I think Yakuza is a streamable game. Because, you know, honestly, some games are not as stream-friendly in the sense that... You think Hot uh, Wheels is or isn't? I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, well, no, you, you would want to have, like, multiplayer... Oh, with that, yeah. Playing for that. But Yakuza might be. So, but I want to get used to, you know, the paces on the PlayStation again. So hopefully we'll be able to do something like that and be able to uh, organize a few things and be able to do a few things visually. But uh, something to uh, hopefully look forward to as 2023 rolls along. So... As we go, once again, if you want to contact us, animeroundtable at gmail.com, at animeroundtable, animeroundtable.com. Since we've mentioned it, twitch.tv slash animeroundtable and our YouTube channel. Coming soon. Hopefully real soon. And as for the podcast side, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. Because good reviews might help the algorithm shine its light on us what type of uh what type of reviews are we looking for kevin any reviews mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah not not necessarily five star reviews we're just desperate for any attention but but yeah you know obviously the five star ones are good but it's always good to know somebody know that there. people are out there yeah. and we know people are both of you no it's like 10 people cool um, there are ten modes, and 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 uh, you take uh, and you and Mo take up one one fifth of that, right? Thanks, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm. Well, we've met. We are halfway through the uh, quota this month. We've already done one thing, and hopefully, we'll be able to get one more thing done. Uh, the month is early. We're uh, it, it, there's still plenty of January left. But in any event, uh, give us a, a subscribe, a like or follow on any of the platforms we're on so you can be notified whenever we put up something new. 
Also, um, if you have a Spotify account, please check out the Anime Roundtable playlist we have up there for a list of music based on the things we mention on this show. The theme song is entitled Fubuki Snowstorm by Pico Misaki, which is the title track of her current album. You can check out more of her music at picoinfinity.com or on her Facebook page at Pico Zen Music. So until next time, thanks for listening and join us again for another edition of the Anime Roundtable.